Uh, my name is Danny. I uh, have been on staff here since 2007. I currently serve as our creative pastor, which just means I get to work on a lot of creative things, but I also get to serve on our leadership team, and I'm so grateful to do that. Uh, before that, I went to Biola University, but before that, I grew up here. And so I call this church home, I call you guys family, and I am honored to be a part of this family with you. Um, so welcome. Thanks for being a church family together. Um, have any of you heard of the 1989 movie called UHF? Raise of hands. One person, that's about what I expected. Really all you need to know is the main character is played by the parody songwriter Weird Al. You guys know him? So you, now you kind of know what kind of movie I'm talking about. But there's a sub-story of this movie where there's this fictitious child's TV game show. And the host of this TV show is Michael Richards, which you might know him as Kramer from Seinfeld, okay? You following me? So if you can imagine Kramer from Seinfeld hosting a TV game show for children, it's that and then some, right? Okay, so I promise there's a reason why I'm telling you this. There's a game that they play on this fictitious TV show where Michael Richards' character will bring a child out from the audience and his parents, and they have to find a marble in a kiddie pool, you know, like eight by eight, of cooked oatmeal, okay? So super, super weird, right? And the prize for finding the oatmeal is like what any kid would want for a prize, and that's to drink from a fire hose, right? So there should be a picture of that somewhere. Yep, that's what it looks like. Ridiculous, right? And if you laugh at things like I laugh at things, it's absolutely hilarious. But this is satire at its best for me. Okay, why am I telling you this? This last week, we have um, gotten many emails. We've, gotten, we've got to have a lot of conversations. And one of the things that we realized as we're processing that is inadvertently what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks is standing here with a fire hose and shooting it out at you and hoping that you catch it all. And, um, and I'm sorry if you felt that way. So that's a long way of saying, we're gonna take a few minutes this morning and try and bring clarity to the dialogue that we've had over the last four weeks look at where we're going over the next couple of weeks, and I, I wanna really try and answer the question, why are we spending so much time talking about this on a Sunday? So if you're new this morning, if you, maybe you came with a friend, or maybe you just find yourself here, and um, you're, you're asking yourself, what are we talking about? What am I getting myself into? Welcome, we are so glad you're here. Like I said, we, we call this family, and from time to time, we have a family chat. And so that's what you're stepping into, and so welcome to the family. We're glad that you're here. Um, and so, like I said, I wanna, I wanna try and bring some clarity. We're gonna have, you're gonna get to hear from some of our elders later on in service, but before, you do, before we jump into a recap, can we just pray together? God, we thank you for who you are. You're the King of Kings, you are Lord of Lords, and um, we praise you, we give you all glory and all honor, for you're worthy of it all. Father, as we um, gather here today, would you unify us as a body of believers, as a body of Calvary Church? Father, would you bring us together? Would you speak to us? And Father, we just praise you for all that you're doing and what you're going to do and all that you've done. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things that we want to make sure that everybody understands from this series, one of the key takeaways is our vision in our generation, introducing Silicon Valley to Jesus, that's not changing. 
And when we say it's our vision for Calvary Church, it's not the vision for the buildings or the staff or even the elders, but when we say Calvary Church, it's a vision for all of us as a part of Calvary Church. But the vision is not changing, and the goal of this series was really to share the process that leadership went through, determining how God was asking us to fulfill that vision so that, here's kind of getting into the why, so that we could develop the job profile for the next lead pastor we need to lead it forward. So these last few weeks, we shared details of the process, starting with demographics, uh, the process that started way back in January, starting with demographics. It was led by prayer, and then hours and days and weeks of conversation from three different leadership groups, our leadership team, our elders, our elder fellowship. And then it resulted in very similar conclusions when all of those groups came back from processing and then debriefed it, really uh, boiled down to these three uh, strategic areas. And that's in, our, in order to introduce Silicon Valley to Jesus in our generation, it's gonna take prayer, partnerships, and pathways. And the thing is about these areas, they're high enough level that it's gonna require the creativity and the gifting and the experience from the next lead pastor to come in and lead Calvary in those areas. So I, wanna, I, I do, I wanna go back and look at the last couple weeks and, and kind of summarize those. But here's, here's how I wanna try and answer the question, why are we spending so much time on Sunday talking about this? The reality is this is our largest gathering of all of us together. And so we wanted to take this time again to unify us. But let me take a stab at a statement. Um, so really introducing Silicon Valley to Jesus in the next 25 years is gonna take a different way of thinking and a fundamentally different kind of approach. And as we make that shift together as a church, we wanna be unified in knowing the details of that process that led to the development of the job profile for the next lead pastor to lead this vision forward. It's gonna take a different kind of lead pastor, so we wanna be unified in that. So let's go back, um, July 25th. You remember we talked about this idea of um, word, deed, and power. And it, and it brought up some questions, rightfully so. And so if I could answer one of them, I would say like this, we are committed to be in an, to our roots of an evangelical church and we're gonna be committed to our statement of faith. The key point of that week was to share that God is moving through the world and he's moving in ways that a lot of us haven't had a chance to experience yet. And since that's true, since God is, is moving, since the Holy Spirit is active, it changes the way that we pray. And so if you look back through the history of revivals of people and the movement of God, it, almost, to a T on all of them, the commonality is that there was a group of people faithfully praying. And so that's why it's one of, our, one of those three main strategic focuses because introducing Silicon Valley to Jesus is way too audacious for us to figure out on our own as a church here in Los Gatos. It's gonna take a movement of God. So why, does this week why did that week matter? First, we need to believe and we need our next lead pastor to believe that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that lives in every single person who follows him and claims him as Lord and Savior. And the second reason that we talked about that is that we all need to be committed and our next lead pastor needs to be committed to the importance of prayer within the church. That next week, August 1st, Pastor Rob walked through the book of Jonah and we saw that God gave Jonah a very specific mission to a very specific group of people at a very specific time. We saw that Jonah didn't wanna do it and so we asked the question, who are our Ninevites? Like Jonah had Ninevites, who are our Ninevites? Who are those people that God has called each of us to introduce? to Jesus, because the reality is the vision is all of our responsibility to fulfill, and God has placed you and I in a unique spot within Silicon Valley to do that. On August 8th, we talked about who Silicon Valley is. We got into really detailed demographics. I'm not gonna go into those here, but we talked about that idea too of living in a post-truth era, 
Um, if you want to go back and, and hear some of those demographics and some of those interviews and some of that kind of stuff, you can watch that on our website. But the reality is society has changed dramatically. It's actually still changing right before our eyes. And along with many church leaders in, the, in our country and around the world, we've concluded that the traditional models of church and the traditional models of evangelism aren't going to work in the West the way that they used to. And so the reason we spent an entire week talking about this is because if you and I are going to introduce Silicon Valley to Jesus, we have to know Silicon Valley and we have to love Silicon Valley. And the second reason that's important is um, we, need our we need our next lead pastor to know and love Silicon Valley. It has to be a calling and they have to be committed to the vision. Last week, August 15th, we shared the specifics of the, of the journey that leadership went through. Um, again, they're aligning around those three main areas of strategy, prayer, partnership, and pathways. We just talked a minute ago about prayer, so I'd love to just dive into those other two. When we talked about partnership, we introduced this term, ecclesia, to describe the totality of the body of Christ. It's in, it includes churches and parachurch organizations and individuals who are just committed to living out the call that God has given them in their specific area. And we have to stop looking at these groups as competition and start embracing them as partners. And that's a, that's a change in the way that we're, we're thinking. But it's all working towards kingdom goals. So why is, why is partnerships, why is talking about that important? Because we need our next lead pastor to value partnerships. They have to be able to partner well with others and have a value for that. And they also need to be a leader of leaders, someone who can develop others and build into those partnerships. So that third area of strategic focus we talked about is pathways. We see um, in Matthew that Jesus says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Pathways identifies that everyone is on a faith journey towards something. Our desire, of course, is that that faith journey leads to Jesus. And so we need to develop thoughtful and intentional pathways of two types. The first is introducing people to Jesus and then giving them steps that allow them to commit their lives to follow him. And the second type of pathway is discipleship. It's that never-ending journey that people who follow Jesus are on, growing in our faith and encouraging others to do the same. And so to be successful uh, missionaries here in Silicon Valley, followers of Jesus, we need to be equipped with biblical truth and opportunities to grow in our love of God, our love for others, and ability to serve his world. So what does that mean for our next lead pastor? Simply, we need our next lead pastor to be committed to making and growing disciples. How to bring people to Jesus and then how to equip them and encourage them to share the good news he offers. So next week, we're going to talk more about pathways. We're going to look at how Jesus sends people out. We're going to look at Luke 10 um, and, and a really great example there. And then also how Paul strategically evangelizes uh, major first century cities, which we're going to see have um, some similarities to Silicon Valley. So we're looking forward to sharing more with you about that. And then the final week of the series, we're going to get to hear from the pastoral search committee and how the job profile came together because of all of the stuff that we're sharing. And we'll get to hear an update from them. So we're looking forward to sharing that with you. One quick note, September 12th, we're going to start a new series where we're going to look at, um, we're going to talk about loving God. We're going to get to hear from local pastors. We're going to use the life of Abraham as um, example. And so we're looking forward to that series starting on September 12th as well. 
So this morning, I just want to spend a couple more minutes because we're going to get to hear from um, a couple of our elders about partnerships. But again, as we're aligning and we're unifying as a church around terms and what that might look like, um, I, want to, I want to speak a little bit more about partnerships. So particularly when we talk about that term, ecclesia, I know that's a new term that we've started to use here. And so again, to just bring us all on the same page, when you look at Matthew 16, Jesus says in front of the disciples, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word Jesus uses for church here, it's, it's that word ekklesia. It's in Greek, and it's uh, used 20 times in the New Testament. It has two root words, ek, which means out, from, and to, kaleo, which means called. And so together, throughout the New Testament, it's used to mean the universal or total body of believers whom God, God calls out from the world and into his kingdom. So why does that matter for us in 2021 as we're talking about partnerships? There are organizations that are not just churches with specialized ministries doing amazing things for the kingdom of God. And like I said, we have to stop looking at that as competition, but really step into how can we partner with that and support that and align with what God is doing through his larger body of Christ. We have to continue to develop and foster the partnerships we already have, like House of Hope, City Team, Foster the City, Shining Stars, I, I could go on and on, our global outreach, our local outreach, the, the partnerships that we already have and figure out how is God moving through those and develop those. So it's a lot of work. And again, so we need, we need our next lead pastor to value that and be equipped and gifted and passionate about developing that. A few weeks ago, you got to hear from Nancy Orberg. She's the CEO of Transforming the Bay with Christ and um, see if their vision aligns anything with ours. This is what they say. Their vision is to catalyze a gospel movement in the Bay Area. And so they work with hundreds of pastors and churches and parachurch organizations. And so they, get, they have a really unique perspective on what partnerships mean, how they work. And, um, and I wanted you to hear her perspective. So um, in a minute, you're gonna get to hear from a couple of our elders and, and their experience with partnerships, but um, take a look at Nancy's perspective on the video here. The idea of collaboration and partnership is so embedded in scripture from Genesis where God invites Adam and Eve to work with him in the garden to Jesus um, picking a team of disciples where if Jesus needs to do that, we probably do too. And really underlying it all is what's possible together that's not possible alone. And there's certain work that can and needs to be done in silos, but there's a unique kind of power when those silos drop their walls for a little bit and come together and spark something exponential. Um, it's a kind of unity, again, that becomes an unstoppable force. Again, Dallas Willard said, the number one job of every pastor are the other pastors in his neighborhood. It's like, wow, I didn't see that one coming. He said that's because that decreases egoism. It, decre it increases the vision of kingdom. And so when we come together, we begin to ask deeper questions and we began to put all of our spiritual gifts in action together, doing something that the collective can create with administrative gifts and hospitality gifts and leadership gifts and administrative gifts that on our own are fairly weak and ineffective. And so this partnership of churches working together in, in meaningful ways, I think is really important. Um, uh, you know, I think when we try to help with, with schools, lots of churches, well-intended and not bad, will do backpack drives and paint murals. It's not bad. 
But the average principal doesn't lose sleep at night over backpacks. In fact, I've, show, I've had a number of principals open closet doors in their schools and show me just droves of backpacks. Mm. What keeps them awake at night are two things, third grade reading levels, which are incredibly predictive for academic success and teacher retention. Mm. So over time, can we use the backpacks and the murals as an open door to show trust to then begin to, who in our congregation could help answer those questions and could we offer their time and expertise to help schools, as just one example, think about churches are serious about systemic change and partnering with us together. I love that. Yeah. That's great. So when we talk, there's there's sort of two layers to this in my mind. One is, so as individual local churches, how do we go about navigating partnerships? Yeah. How do you, how have you seen that work? What would you recommend? Yeah, I'm, there's lots of ways to do it. One of the ways we've seen the most success is through a series of pastors networks throughout the Bay Area that we've either helped start or come alongside of and pulled together. And right now at current count, we're at about 30 we're thinking 40 should get us to where no pastor would be more than a 20-minute drive. So those collections of pastors coming together, lots of pastors don't even know each other. And so at the core of these networks are encouragement, prayer, and relationship. But then our job is to help them solidify that and then get a vision for collaborative cause. What would happen if we came together and picked something, actually went to the city and asked them what they needed help with rather than say, here's what we want to do. And uh, I think partnering, so a number of years ago, we started a small collective like this in Santa Cruz. And over time, a group of those pastors and some city officials came together and started looking at their issue in Santa Cruz is homeless veterans. That's the number one issue that they work on. And so after three or four months of building relationships with the city officials, one of the city officials finally got the courage to say to the group of pastors, hey, we know once a month you guys get together at a church and you make sandwiches and you go to the park and you feed the homeless. The pastors were so proud. They're sitting up and saying, yep, that's what we do. And the city official finally said, um, would, you, would you stop? Why? Well, we have a feeding center every Saturday of every month with volunteers and food. And we can tell which Saturday you make sandwiches because the attendees plummet where our volunteers and food are just sitting there. And then the parks you go to are overrun with saran wrap and wax paper from the sandwiches. Of course, the pastors didn't know this because they were operating in a silo, doing a really good thing. But when this partnership came together, then the city officials gave them feedback and then invited them to say, I think what you're doing is good. Would you join us and volunteer at the feeding center? And now you have Christians rubbing shoulders and volunteering with people who aren't, doing good work together. And anything that moves people towards good inevitably moves people towards God. So that partnership was just a really fascinating journey to watch. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So it really just takes uh, looking into the community around you and understanding the needs and asking. And building relationships before, yes, building relationships, asking, and then showing up with excellence and being open to feedback. Yeah, that's great. So then as individuals, as members of this body of a local church, how does, that, how does that look for individuals? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, that can happen on a micro level. You know, um, when I first started TBC, somebody told me about a church. I don't even remember where it was, but they were being a little dismissive and making fun of it. And it was a handful of older women, just a few. And they would take kitties from the pound. They would borrow kitties for the day and go to the local nursing home. And these people were kind of making fun of it. And I said, I think that's beautiful. I think that's... Oh my gosh, I hope when I'm 90 years old, 
I'm doing something like that. So uh, those kinds of activities are at the heart of the gospel. Um, there's something called Care Portal, which uh, works through DCFS and Foster the Bay is one of the most remarkable organizations in the Bay Area to help churches foster to adopt. But as DCFS tells us, only 20% of any kids in a foster group need to be adopted. The other 80% can be reunited if they got help in other places, diapers, groceries, help with interview skills, babysitting so moms could get a job, the 18 to 26-year-old population that drops out of foster care. So Care Portal, and I think if I remember correctly, churches can join for $100 a month, and then everybody in the church has access to that. You can wake up as a 90-year-old man in the morning and go into Care Portal and find out that six blocks from you, a mom needs diapers, and you can send them. You can partner in your home with a computer with an agency like this into the foster care system, whereas most 90-year-olds are probably not going to foster to adopt. Yeah. I love that. So it's just being aware of God, where God has placed us, mm-hmm. eyes up, looking around, yep. and being willing to step into what he's calling us to do. And even maybe pulling a little small group around it yeah. to do it together, but on a micro level. Yeah. yeah. Micro's not any worse or better than macro. Yeah. They're all good. I want to introduce you to my friend and one of our elders, Ken. Ken, you've been at Calvary for 24 years, I think you said. You can come, you can come hang out over here. 24 years. Uh, you raised your kids here. You've been involved. Um, you're on our elder board. You've been involved with Global Outreach, Mexico in particular. Um, could you just share with our church just how you've seen the value of partnership come together? Thank you very much, Dan. And uh, try not to blow out the volume here too much. Um, First, I'd like to acknowledge my heartfelt thanks to Jesus for our global partners, local partners, local outreach partners that have inspired Calvary Church in so many different ways. And it's alongside each other that our Calvary legacy is connected and together in our generation, introducing Silicon Valley to Jesus is, is coming together. and. Um, so I'd like to share uh, four areas related to the partnerships uh, which surrounded our Mexico Go team. Uh, one will be uh, a scripture verse that I pray over our partnerships and our staff. They're all involved in Mexico and uh, those friends and, that are still down in Mexico. Um, I'd like to too give you a glimpse into the partnerships and I'll have a slide that um, shares you that. And then I'm gonna share a very short story and then uh, finish with some encouragement. So let's go to um, the scripture verse, Isaiah 58, six through nine, and it should be, might be behind me. So I'm gonna read you, this is a devotion uh, from my uh, daily devotions. Isaiah 58, six through nine. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food and with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will shine forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry out for help and the Lord will say, here I am. This has been my prayer for many, many years. 
And you can now see, uh, or if they would put up the partnership slide here from Mexico, there's, it's a busy slide, it's a collage. Um, but what I want to start with, it starts with a partnership here in Calvary. Um, this year, our trip will be, that we're planning, uh, we'll hope will be over President's Day week. And um, from the family ministries, uh, Alicia Price is my partner this year. I'm really excited for that. But we also par uh, partner with our global outreach committee led by McKenna, and also the bus ministry. These three get together and are doing a lot of planning and praying to put this together already. And every year for the past 15, 17 years. Um, the next uh, group up there you'll see is there is a Club Dust logo and there's a TLC, uh, Twin Lakes Church. They were our catalyst over 17 years ago. They came and inspired us to go serve down in Mexico. And then you have Baja Christian Ministries. Um, they're a staple down in Mexico for some 30 years. We partner with them and have and grown our partnerships to where we're now part of their threefold mission into the community, not just building, but also evangelism and community groups, as well as church planting and encouraging the pastors there. Uh, then alongside that, we stay at a Rancho La Paloma. Uh, that's where we stay. They have a ministry center there. They minister to us and provide a safe place for us to come together as, as trips and for not just us, but many. So you can see it's quite a collage that all comes together. And I'm going to say bridges. I put bridges up there at Los Altos Church, uh, Baptist Church, because it's a church that we helped become part of a catalytic event, helping them start their Mexico uh, ministries as well. So now the story. Um, the story goes back to December of 2011. Um, I used to leave a side trip which built little small casitas along the railroad track for the homeless that couldn't afford homes. And this was kind of like, was getting farther and farther away, so to speak, from our main group of building activities. And um, it was during that trip that I met Norberto. Norberto had just arrived from El Salvador, and he was uh, fleeing gang, gang violence, and he was a gang member. We built for Norberto. He didn't have a home. He was on the railroad tracks. He had a family, two children. And it was a moment when uh, we handed him his keys after we built him a small casita that he looked me right in the eyes. And I remember to this day. And he said, why do you do this? I had to catch myself pausing because I was like, Okay, he doesn't speak much English, so I'm going through a, a lot. And I said, you know, Christmas. God came down, and he's given us an amazing gift. And we're so thankful that we can give you this gift. Well, it turned out um, I had been in prayer, just so you know about years before that, because I needed a leader for this ministry because it was going out into the, on the railroad tracks, and a local leader was much better than me leading building trips there. Within six months, Norberto was leading those trips, weekly trips, building homes for the homeless, working with Baja Christian Ministries, and I stepped back. It was very difficult, but you do these things. 
So anyways, I want to leave you with um, some encouragement. Go find your place to serve, whether it's globally, whether it's locally, because the stories that you can tell, you can tell your fellow workers at work, your family, and others, is a story that you will cherish and be thankful for God that you have those. Thank you very much. May God bless Calvary Church. Thank you, Ken. One of the things you shared, one of the things Ken shared with me is that idea of getting involved with global outreach to discover what those passions might be, or, or like he said, to serve somewhere and discover what is God calling you to that you might become a catalyst for somebody else. And so I love that. So thank you, Ken, for sharing. Dave, my good friend, Dave Henderson. Dave, you've been here for, we figured out, 33 years. Yeah. You also raised your kids here. You've been an elder. You taught a new member class, bringing kind of like an orientation. You can come over here. Come on. We're friends. I don't know. I don't know why we're so afraid of you. But I, it must be yeah, something I, I'm doing. I know what you're feeling, Ken. Something I'm doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I promise. I showered this okay. morning and everything. Um, Anyway, you have had a unique partnership role within the community, a different kind of just a different perspective. So we'd love to just hear your thoughts on what you've learned and what you've seen over the years of doing that. All right. Thank you. Uh, let me start by just saying that I am not an expert in this. It's just something that I've experienced uh, professionally. I at least develop and manage medical office buildings, primarily on Samaritan Drive. But because of that role and the role prior to that, which I, when I was in the electronics industry, uh, I got involved in nonprofit organizations. I was a believer at the time. But some of the organizations would be the Health Trust. I was involved with the Good Samaritan Hospital Foundation. Uh, I was involved with the Stroke Awareness Foundation. Um, and then subsequently, I became involved in Cancer Care Point. But my reason for saying this is that I was struck between the nonprofit work that I was doing, the people that I was coming across who were really, in many cases, strong believers, and in many cases, not. And in some ways, the conflict between what I would experience on Sunday and then what I would do in my nonprofit work, which I would say is, was not Christ-centered, but it was significant. And even now, 33 years later, I still wrestle with it because I'm still doing the same thing. But I realize that God has placed me in these locations. And it's, it's really so interesting because you find out that the themes are so common that there's a passion to do something different that affects people's lives. There's really good people who get involved. And the funny thing too is they always ask for money also. And anybody who has been involved in nonprofit organizations, you're always asking for money. And one of the big conflicts I always had was, but churches don't ask for money because we don't want to offend, while the people in the rest of my life outside of Calvary are always asking for money. So I give this to you more as background because there's solid believers in the community. As I said, solid not believers in these organizations. But there's significant things that can be made if we understand both sides. And I think that's one of the things moving forward, Calvary as a church is going to have to recognize, do we enter those domains that might not look like us? Because when you do, 
and Nancy talked about this before, relationships get developed and nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, nothing really happens in a personal conversation without having those relationships. I've often said you, you can talk about the Giants game, and that's a level one or a level two, let's say, but if you want to talk about somebody's marriage, maybe that's a level nine, but you don't get there unless you're safe. Well, by partnering with these organizations and meeting people, you create not only that relationship, but you give them a safe environment in ways that you might not normally have experienced if you had not entered that area to help make a difference in the community. And I saw that happening in several areas very quickly. One was um, when Pascagoula hit the Gulf states, the way we partnered with the town of Los Gatos in regular meetings, I would never have known them the same way that we got to know some of the people. That led into a conversation with Mike Wasserman, who's now our supervisor. Mike was a council member at the time, and the way that Mike and I talked about Calvary and Mike's perspective, and I just said, Mike, we're doing strategic planning. What's your take on Calvary? How, how does Calvary speak into the community? And Mike was really helpful because he made me understand we're so much more significant than I realized. You know, we, we think about opening up the building for people and so forth, but there's a real need, and that's one of the areas that Calvary can fill. But more importantly, it's not just leadership on the platform, but I'm really finding and appreciating it's all of us. Because if you think about, and I, I, this is a really stupid expression, but I'll use it simply. If you have 20 chairs and I say to Danny, hey Danny, move those 20 chairs outside, will you? He goes, oh, okay, I can do that. But all of a sudden I said to all of us, hey, we've got 20 chairs to move. It, it's like it takes place in 20 seconds. Volunteerism is often like that that if you do it collectively, you can make a difference. And I think one of our challenges where I got into Cancer Care Point, for instance, and I don't know if it's gonna make it up on the screen or not, but Cancer Care Point was an organization, while Wilson and Dee, who many of you remember, Dee was going through a cancer journey, multiple stops for her care, and he said to me, hey, can't you do something to help? what Dee's experiencing, because he knew what I did professionally. I said, well, that's like saying to somebody, hey, I build churches, you have a church problem, I should be able to fix it. And, but it really stayed with me. Could I, with some of the resources I have, make a difference? And you know, fast forward, um, there's a integrated cancer center on the corner of 85 and uh, Los Gatos Boulevard, which we were a part of. And then, as I alluded to, Cancer Care Point, also was a nonprofit social psychosocial services organization that we also created because I always felt after people are diagnosed, what happens to them? Where do they go? Typically internet, family member, friend, but is that really enough? And so what you see behind me, which is still probably one of the most emotional things that I, um, I was a part of, we had over 200 lunches excuse me, we had over 20 lunches that included over 200 people. And they, we asked them two questions when this was going on. Um, what have you learned about your journey? What um, could be different? But the punchline to all of this is I wanted them, and this is what stays with me within the things Calvary does. 
I asked them when we were sitting there, could I have your thumbprint? Because I felt that when we were finished, could they see their work, not just speaking into it, but could they actually see what they did? We had over 100 different select or uh, opportunities. We settled on three at the time. But what you see here are all the thumbprints with the names. And I, I think about that within Calvary so often. When we say we're going to do certain things, what do our thumbprints look like? Can we sign it? And then 10, 10 years later now, over 1,500 people are seen a year through Cancer Care Point. The thing that made this one so telling to us also was the fact that unlike most organizations I'm a part of, we would lose people before we were finished. They would pass away because of their cancer, but cancer meant so much to them they wanted to tell their story. And so they were at lunches with us. And so when I think about things like this and I think about where Calvary's going, I think we've got such a great opportunity to be in the community. And what's different, as you're, you're hearing in, in many of my stories, are it's different because it doesn't have to be through the church necessarily. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. But God is faithful. It gets a little bit messy at times. But the thing, the last comment is Jesus was outside the walls. And I keep thinking to myself, okay, if I'm gonna be outside the walls, what does that mean exactly? Where am I available? What am I gonna do with it? So I hope I've said this in a way that is um, gentle and affirming and encouraging, but just so we're all in this together, I still haven't figured it out. So when I'm in a rotary meeting and they use the word fellowship, I go, that's what we use at church. But it's not necessarily Christ-centered. The question is, is that okay? Well, yeah, it is okay. Because I'm in, other, I'm in this group with a bunch of other Christ-centered people. We just don't pray the same way. And we don't give God the glory quite the same way. But it really is remarkable who is in the community and how we have, we have the same vision. It's like at another level. And one of my challenges, I think, over these next few years will be how does that get released? So it's not just church to church, which is one really significant level, but how is it organization to organization amongst the people doing the very work? And uh, I think we can all be a part of that. So. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> I'm leaving. You, you can I'm stay. <laughs> you can stay. You just have to give Dan your microphone. That's it. There he is. <laughs> there he is. Dave, I love, um, we keep saying this over and over again, but being aware of where God has placed us in the community, whether that be T-Ball or Cancer Care Point or at your school or whatever that may be, but being aware of where God has placed us. So thank you for sharing your story and perspective on that. Yeah, it's so fun being able to serve with Ken and Dave. They're just amazing men of God, and um, they, they live out their faith. Uh, which is so fun to see. And you got a chance to see a, a little taste of what they do. So let's summarize a little bit about what partnerships are all about. Um, so first we, you know, we heard from Nancy and she was uh, saying, we need to be willing to go out and do and listen. You know, I, I love that, you know, good intentions aren't enough. We need to figure out how do we really uh, partner well and we need to adapt what we do based upon what we learn and we should do that at a macro level meaning as churches um, 
as well as at an individual level. So uh, that's awesome and something for all of us to think and pray about. And then Ken, you know, you saw his heart and you saw how it is hard to provide leadership and then hand that leadership off. But uh, being able to start something and then uh, release it is is so important. And then uh, Dave's vision of of getting into an, an area that he knew nothing about um, in terms of having never gone through the cancer journey and yet finding that out, living out his his faith in community just is so inspiring for all of us. So I would say that um, the key points I would like to make about partnership before I close in prayer is just that we have a heritage of doing this at Calvary. We're far more than a 10 o'clock service on Sundays and lots of people watching online. Um, we're a lot more. And so we'd love to have you guys be involved in those types of activities. That's really where we are the, you know, the, the hands and the feet's, feet of Jesus, right, is when we're out doing that kind of thing in the community. And that's, uh, that's so important. So what we're not, we're asking you, us to do is, okay, everybody, we were going this way, we're going this way. We're saying we want to do more of this. We want to be more intentional. Uh, we want to learn how to do it better. And so when we look at a generation of 25 years to really go after Silicon Valley, it's not like this year we need to do 25 new things. We're, we're talking maybe one or two or three new ones. And over time, that turns into, you look back and it looks like, wow, a tsunami comes out of this area that hits the whole Silicon Valley. But um, so we want to do a few new ones and do them well. So now the assignment for you guys for this week is to just pray about this. Pray about, you know, what has God put on your heart? Is there something that um, he's just really been calling you, you know, you need to think about that. Like Dave, you know, where he didn't know where this was gonna go when he started this, this whole um, process that he went on. Pray about that. Pray about all the existing ministries and how we can, as a body, um, do more uh, as we partner with other churches and with other people in the community uh, to reach Silicon Valley. So I'm going to quickly close in prayer and then Danny is going to close us out. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We know this is your church um, and we are your people. And like you, we love Silicon Valley. Sometimes that's messy, sometimes it's confusing, but we want to be your human partners. We ask that you show us how we can be effective at uh, together as the larger body of Christ, the ecclesia, that we can stand up and start moving out for you. In your name, amen.